Hello, Black Girls in Media family. Welcome to another episode, episode 10 to be exact. Today, we are talking all things taxes. As a future media moguls, we have businesses, we have brands, we are influencers who have documented as LLCs with the government. Therefore, we have to be responsible and making sure we are paying our taxes. And as a black and brown community, we want to make sure that we serve you on being on top of that stuff. So today we have a tax consultant with us. Welcome, Asia. Hi, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you for being here. And she is going to break down how to do your taxes as a freelancer and drop any nuggets you should know about your media business. So first, Aisha, how do taxes work? Can you explain the system for us? <laughs> okay, so taxes are pretty much um, something that nobody likes to pay, obviously. We don't like to pay it, and we all I've seen that we tend to play catch up a lot when it comes to taxes. You know, we don't get enough taxes taken out. Um, a lot of our people, unfortunately, like to claim kids fraudulently and things like that. Or we're always trying to play catch up to try to get the most back possible, whether it be in our paychecks or whether it be in our refunds. And the tax system is not even set up for us to look at it that way. It's set up as an incentive to, you know, try to open businesses. And as uh, you know, you guys being freelancers to open a business, but to structure yourself in a way that you understand taxes and you understand how to win when it comes to taxes. It's all about planning. You know, it's not about waiting until April 15th, close to the date and trying to play catch up and trying to, you know, um, you know, alter the numbers in a way that you're really not supposed to, or expect the tax professional to work out some type of magic um, by doing things that they're not supposed to. And we get fine, you know, so that's not something that we're willing to do. So I would definitely say um, as freelancers, the number one thing you have to be is organized when it comes to your documentation. Because if you learn once, you know, once you go through with this, um, with your business for a couple of years, you'll start learning what deductions you could take. So as you learn, you will understand what deductions you could take and you'll start expensing yourself or setting yourself up to start writing off things in your business compared to your personal life. So um, for self-employed individuals, everyone has to pay taxes if you make over $400. So if you make over $400 for a year, you have to file um, a tax, a tax return, however you are structured. So whether you're structured as a sole proprietorship, whether you're structured as an LLC, um, corporation, S-Corp, partnership, it doesn't matter. You always have to file a tax return. If you are um, an individual and you're not self-employed, you make 12,400, you have to file. So our tax system is, is based off of, um, it's something called a progressive tax system. So the more money you make, the more um, taxes you are liable to pay, the tax rate goes up. Our tax rate starts at 10% for someone who's single. And at that 10% bracket for someone who's single, it only goes to 9,000. 875, something like that. So that first 9,000 is taxed at 10%. 
after that, it goes to 12%, up to around 20, 20, uh, 40,000. So anything after that 9,000, in between 9,000 and 40,000, that's taxed at 12%. So let's say your income is over the 40,000 mark. Now you're being taxed at 22%. So yeah, people, people go wrong wherein, when they put on their like W-4s, um, they'll try to put, you know, two dependents or I don't know what number they may have on there, but they try to put a high number on their W-4 so they don't have as much taxes taken out their paychecks. But when it comes time for, when it comes to the end of the year, when it's time to do your taxes, you're filing as single and you made about $60,000 yet you only paid 10% in taxes. So already you're behind, you know? So that's what, where people go wrong. Um, so you definitely have to set yourself up to, so to no taxes and know where you fall in the tax bracket. You know, if you know you only make uh, $10,000 a year, then okay, 10% may be okay for you um, to be to get taken out. But if you look at your W-2 um, and you see that a lot of taxes aren't being taken out and you made so much money, you're probably at like $50,000. And, you know, the IRS has it on their website. There's ways that you can find out exactly. They even have a breakdown of exactly like, you know, you make $60,000, you go to their tax bracket, put single, and it'll show you exactly how much you're liable for in taxes. Yeah, so we have to look at it in that um, way. So I know a lot of people get confused as far as deductions and credits go. A lot of people are like, oh, I'm trying to get as much deductions as possible. I got this $2,000 deduction. Shouldn't that be taken off my tax bill? Like my tax bill says I owe $2,000. Why do I still owe 2000 if my deduction say it's supposed to be 2000 off? And that's not how deductions work. Um, a deduction is a reduction of your taxable income. So before your taxes are um, calculated. So basically if you owe $50,000, um, let's say you have a deduction. We all have a standard deduction since we're single, 12,400. So that 12,400 is automatically taken off that 50,000. Let's say you have a deduction of, you owe, you pay, you made 50,000 and you have a deduction of um, 2,000 off of your taxable income. So if you take the 2,000 off, now your taxable income is 48,000. Now that's what the IRS uses to base how much um, you're liable to pay in taxes. So it goes based off of that. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're just getting that automatically taken off of your tax liability. That amount, those deductions are taken off of your adjusted gross income, your gross income. So it's taken off of that beforehand, before the IRS figures out what you owe in taxes. Um, as for credits, now that's different. Credits are better than deductions. Credits are, you receive that dollar for dollar basis. So for credit, let's say you have a refund. Your refund says you have, um, you're getting back $1,000 and you just found a credit that you can get for $2,000. That $2,000 will be added onto that $1,000. So you will get back the 3,000. So that's why, you know, people don't understand. They think it's like the same, but it's not. Credits are way better um, than deductions. Audits are, when the IRS comes in and they are looking to make sure you're in compliance with the laws and regulations. So it's important. That's why documentation is so important because if you don't have documentation, then it's like it never happened. 
And if the IRS comes after you, that's a lot of penalties that you may have to pay. And then sometimes, you know, whether they deem it as fraud, that's a whole nother ball game. That's something that like you really don't want to get into. So it's best to try to um, make sure you're educated about these things and make sure you take the necessary steps that you have to take in order to get um, the proper documentation that you need. Okay. So you talked a lot about deductions and, you know, the pros and cons of that. And I've, there recently been this commercial that, um, it's so funny. It's a little funny commercial. And, and the guy's like, oh, I work from home. And the text guy's like, well, you could use your Wi-Fi as a deduction and all of these different little things. So as someone who is, you know, like a freelancer or an influencer, what are some things that they could use, you know, as deductions that they might not even realize? Yeah. So as a deduction, um, home office, that's a deduction, but you have to be a freelancer. You have to have a business. You know, I had a lot of people come to me who everybody's working from home right now, and they're thinking that they could take their um, office as a deduction just from working at, from home, but you can't. That's why it's best to just have a business, you know, get an EIN, a tax ID number, name your business, um, whether it's an LLC or not, you still should name your business and take the proper deductions that you need to take. Um, phone, yeah, internet traveling. If you may travel to go see a client, that's all deductions um, that you may have. Travel mileage rates. You can get mileage rate deductions. Uh, what else? Um, anything like, oh, a computer. You may buy a computer or anything that you guys may use. Microphones, things like that. Um, cameras that you may need or uh, things like that. That's all deductions. And that's not something that it's just deductible at that time. Some things are deductible over time. So I've had, I had a client who was um, a photographer. He had cameras. So his, his cameras would be deductible over time. So they would start depreciate, depreciating over time. So that's also deductible for like years to come. Okay, but you're saying that that only works if you are an LOC or you are self-employed. That doesn't work if let's say if you have like your nine to five job and you just, you know, like take photography on the side. No, you have to register your business. You have to get, at least get a tax ID number, you know? Um, even if you don't follow as an LLC, you can still get a tax ID number and have a business as a sole proprietorship. But if you follow as the LLC, then that's a lot better because it protects you. But if you're just starting out and you don't want to follow as the LLC, that's also okay. If it's your first year and you just want to, you know, get your business up and running so you could take these necessary deductions, then um, I would definitely recommend just applying for an EIN number. It takes a couple seconds, you know, mm -hmm. it's not that, it's not hard at all. And it definitely would save you a lot in the future, but you can't do it as without any business. You know, you have to show that you have a business. So all of our freelancers, influencers, brands that want to protect themselves, get yourselves an EIN number or an LLC if you feel like you're making sustainable income. So now I want to go into how much you should save 
with the gigs that we get. So freelancers live in a gig economy and we never know when our next paycheck is coming. And even our paychecks that we do receive, they may be 250 here, $75 here, yada, yada, yada. So how much should we be putting aside each check to make sure we have enough to pay our taxes at the end of the year? Okay, so to have enough to pay your taxes at the end of the year, if you have a business, I would say definitely not 10% because you're not going to have enough. That's just the minimum, you know, that's going to, because you have to pay income tax and you have to pay self-employment tax. Um, I would say at least 20%, 20% will give you, that will give you, you know, enough. And if you do have to pay a little extra, then you can, but that will give you enough to know that you're okay as opposed to not saving anything. And then at the end of the year, you're hit with this big bill and you're like, what happened? Because you were getting income and you weren't saving anything. You weren't putting anything to the side. So, you know, the IRS, they want their money. The state wants their money. Everybody wants their cut. So um, it's important to try to, you know, see where you, what range you fall in, especially to see how much you have to pay. But 20%, it's a good number for someone who's not making that much in their business. Now, if you were making a lot in your business, I would say a lot more, you know, but if you're just starting out, then 20, 25% was definitely like a decent number for you to start with. And so with so many people using social media to promote their businesses or even promote themselves, when is the time to know, okay, I should probably file for an LLC or okay, I'm making enough money now to where this needs to be reported on my taxes. It's not just a random 20 or $30 anymore. When it like, what is that threshold? $400. $400. So that, yeah, it's pretty low. $400 is the threshold. So if you made $400 in one year and you're not reporting it, then um, you're breaking the law, <laughs> unfortunately. So yeah, you're supposed to report it at $400. So that's the number that they have and that's the number they use. They go by um, a lot of people. I know a lot of people though who don't file taxes and they make over $400, but that's on you. You know, if you if the IRS finds out, then that's a lot of penalties and a lot of catching up that you have to do in the end. So it's not worth it. And it's not worth it because the tax benefits that you can have by reporting at $400, you will end up, you can end up not even having to pay taxes at all, you know, on that $400. Or you can start, you know, rolling your, your phone bills or other things into your business. Um, another thing is a lot of people don't know that if you have a child, let's say you're making a lot of money. Um, let's say you make a $10,000, you can pay a child up to $12,000 tax-free, which mm -hmm. is yeah, which is which is nice, you know. I wish I had a kid to to pay twelve thousand dollars to, but I don't. But yeah, you could pay twelve thousand dollars to a child tax free, and that's how you have to you have to learn the law or learn the rules so that you can win in the end, you know. Instead of just not filing at all, and then it comes back to you years later, and the IRS finds out that you had this business for all of these years and they start looking through your accounts and they want to know where did this money come from? Yeah, I've 
read about so many horror stories with influencers who didn't file taxes for years because they didn't even know that was a thing. And I'm like, yo, that cannot be me. Right. <laughs> so I made sure I got my business and then my personal taxes filed this year. Um, and it was good because I realized that I did owe and I didn't even know the difference between a service and a product, which is actually what I want to get into. So a lot of influencers, like influencing, freelancing, that's a service. Like you're providing your influence, you're writing, you're doing photography, that's a service. But some influencers also take the initiatives to sell products. So they may sell journals or mugs or pens or kits. So what's the difference with that tax Okay, so if you are selling a product, you're selling goods, that's taxable income, taxable income, and you have to pay sales tax on that. Um, you can't just go collect sales tax and not report it to your state. Um, different states have different rules. And when you're providing a service, you still have to pay tax on your service income tax, but some services you aren't required to pay sales tax on, such as doctors, lawyers, um, certain tax professionals, like I'm in Philadelphia, so you don't have to pay uh, taxes on tax preparation here, but I may go to another state and you have to pay tax taxes, sales tax on tax preparation there. So it depends on the actual state that you live in. Um, but definitely if you're mostly all states, if you're selling products, you have to pay sales tax on that product. Unless you're selling, let's say for example, you're selling a used product um, and it's less than what it's worth. So it's less than like the fair market value of what you bought it for and what it's worth, then you don't have to pay taxes on that. But if it's something that you're getting a gain on, you have to pay taxes on it. So you have to save for your taxes. And then on top of that, you have to charge a sales tax. And yes. Those taxes. Yes. To file them. Yes. So you have to report that sales tax. So when you're, you're providing, um, you know, you're selling your product, you're charging your customer sales tax. That sales tax is then reported on your income tax return, but it's deducted off of it off of your income. So you're not getting taxed on the sales tax that you that you purchased, well, that you took in from your customer. So it's deducted off of your income, but then you have to go and register with your state to report the sales tax to them and pay them directly. So a lot of states, um, I think the amount is maybe like 500, you have to actually pay monthly if it's over 500 if you're collecting like sales tax over 500 dollars they required for you to report it to them monthly but if it's not i think it may be quarterly that you have to report it so that's something that you actually have to go to like the department of um revenue and enterprise and actually register with them because you may need a sales tax permit you know that's something that you're supposed to do before you even start selling before you start, before you even start collecting sales tax, you're supposed to go register with them and let them know that you're going to be collecting sales tax. Wow. And then go back and pay them um, what you collected from your customers. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. 
So I have a question about that because I'm trying to think. So when I purchase something from like a small business, most of the time I will see, you know, like the, the price for it. And then you'll see like the shipping cost. So how do you even like put on your website or even get started charging people the sales tax? Because I don't think I only, I feel like I only see sales tax when I'm like in an actual store, but when it comes to online shopping or especially small businesses, I feel like I really don't see that. Yeah. You would have to, I mean, if you're purchasing something from a small business, you don't see sales tax. Mm -hmm. Okay. See, it's up to the small business though, because they have to pay the sales tax. So it's up to them on whether they want to charge sales tax or not. Everyone has a choice. Yeah. And as a small business owner, I know with my Printify, they give me the option. They're like, do you want to charge sales tax or do you want to include sales tax in your total amount that you charge? So that's how it works for me. Um, I think it varies from platform and it varies from small business owner on how they want to do that. Yeah, and it, a lot of people don't know that you have to do sales tax because I didn't know that until Asia did my taxes this morning. And right. she's like, oh, <laughs> you got to do sales tax. I'm like, wait, so you telling me I got to pay again? <laughs> yeah, so yeah, you have, but um. Some people don't collect sales tax and then they're, they find out at a later date that they have to pay sales tax on these products that they sold and they had no idea. So then they're losing out on money. So it's best to collect your sales tax upfront. Yeah, absolutely. And then my next question to you is, so in this industry, sometimes like Shelby said, it's very, you know, sporadic of when we might get a gig or when you might, you know, book a collab with someone if you're an influencer. So what would you suggest is the best way to kind of keep track on this money that you have coming in? Um, Excel spreadsheets, definitely a spreadsheet. I know there's plenty of spreadsheets that's out there. Um, on the internet that you can find, you know, that just keeps track of exactly the date that you did the sale, what it was, um, how much you made, the sales tax that you may have charged, um, and how much you actually took into your pocket. So that would be the best, the best way every time you get a job to actually track it right then and there. It's better than, um, keeping receipts that's for sure because sometimes you might lose a receipt but you still need to keep your receipts as well it's best to have both but if you have a spreadsheet um that's that's good enough as well do you suggest any place we put our receipts do you think just a google doc google folder or is there a certain website that's recommended no i wouldn't recommend a um, website i would just say save it um Definitely make sure you save it to a drive because you never know when your computer is going to crash. Um, definitely Google Docs, since you can always have access to it through Google. That's definitely a, a good resource. But um, I would save it to a drive by tax year just to be more organized, like a flash drive by tax year. Um, if you know this is tax year 2020, this is everything you did that year, it's best to just save it to a drive so you have it because you can have these drives for year to, years to come and you never know when the IRS is gonna audit you. They can go back up to seven years at times, you know? So yeah, it's best to just have a, a drive at least with all the files that you, have, that you need on there. 
Yeah, I don't know about y'all, but I'm I'm done with adulting. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh. And and the funny part about it is, you know, it could be so innocent and you don't even realize that you are breaking the law. Like, is well, nobody told me that I had to be, you know, like reporting this random little ten dollars I got from promoting these gummy bears. Like <laughs> Right. And nobody will ever tell you that's why it's important to like just what you guys are doing is great, you know because you're spreading the word. And a lot of people don't have access to the resources that they need to be able to, you know, know exactly what it is that needs to be done. And a lot of people are just going to go file taxes on TurboTax and things like that. And they really don't know the law. They're just answering the questions. And they really just trying to get back as much as possible, but um, they don't even know they're breaking the law at the end of the day. So you really don't know unless you, you, you know, I got licensed in it. So that's why I know, you know, so unless you deal with someone who actually studied for it and got, got their license, they're actually a professional in that area. You, you wouldn't know, you know, taxes are complicated. They're very complicated and everybody hates taxes. So <laughs> yes, the only thing we could do is try to figure out how to win when it comes to taxes and plan ahead of time and not play catch up at, in the end of the, you know, at the end of the season. Yeah. And when do you suggest people start kind of getting their taxes in order and start filing? Um, I suggest they start thinking and planning by like September before tax season. You know, um, look at how much has been taken out of your, if you have a job, look at how much has been taken out of your W-2 thus far. That would give you an idea. Look at the tax bracket and see like, oh, where would I fall? You know, if I make this amount of money, Okay, oh man, I might. I, you may that may open your eyes to see that. Oh my goodness, I'm gonna owe money this year, or it looks like I'm good. I'm gonna have a refund. So you have to start planning, um, and definitely plan. I would say plan right after tax season. Like April is here. Okay, now this is the new year. How can I set myself up to not pay as much as in taxes as I did next year? You know, like what can I do? What can I, um, what choices can I make? What can I write off on my business that I didn't that last year? Like, you know, what can I change um, as far as business goes? Like, oh, I have a cell phone. It's in my personal name. Maybe I could try to get this in my business name and write it off on, on my business taxes, things like that. So you can see, you know, um, how to cut the corners and, and how to set yourself up so you're, you don't have that much taxable, your tax liability is not that high. Yeah, what I ended up doing was Canva because you were telling me how that was tax deductible and my microphone, my blue. Yeah. So I would pay for it on my business card. And then I would every month I have a folder on my desktop where I will screenshot the receipt says SDS Media LLC, and then I'll put it in that folder. So that way I could keep track every month so that when January comes next year, I'm not like, dang, I got to find all these receipts. Yeah. Of what's tax deductible. So I'm grateful that I had the thought to do that this year when starting a business. So if anybody out there is listening to that, please like keep track of your receipts um, and find somebody who can do it for you. I know we're so quick to go to TurboTax because it's cheaper, 
but I'm telling you, get somebody that's a professional to handle this for you and who will have the grace to break it down and be patient with you. Asia was patient for me for like two weeks while I was trying to get all of this together. (laughs) So how much do you recommend people save for somebody to do their taxes and where can people reach you at? Okay. Um, Well, it depends on how you're structured, first off, as a business. So as a sole proprietorship, um, you're structured by yourself, you know? So if you have an LLC and you're a sole proprietor, how that works is your business taxes, you're taxed on an individual basis. So your business taxes are offset with your income, um, your income taxes, your personal taxes. So all of that goes together, even though you still have a Schedule C, which is a separate business tax, um, it can offset off of your personal income. So it depends on exactly how you're structured. Now, if you have a LLC with multiple members, then you will be taxed as a partnership. So that's a whole different ballgame there. Um, and then you have corporations, S-Corp, C-Corp, um, they're taxed differently as well. So it all depends on how you're taxing. How your business is structured depends on how much you pay. Um, sole proprietorship is the cheapest. I would definitely say around $400 um, minimum to file business and individual for a sole proprietorship. If you have a partnership, then the price starts going up. I know some people charge like $700 for a partnership. Then you have... Um, because partnerships, they have like a pass-through taxation as well, and it goes through each partner. Then they have other schedules that they need, so it's a lot more detailed. Sole proprietorship is the most simple. Um, LLC, as a one, one owner, individual owner, is the most simple. So um, that's the cheapest. Partnership is a little higher, and corporations are, are a lot higher. So then you start getting to like $1,000 and things like that. So it's best to just... Keep it simple when you first start out and save for around $400 and you'll be able to get at least probably your individual and business taxes done. And um, you said, where can you reach me at? Yes. I have an Instagram. It's at Miss Elite Tax. Um, Facebook, Elite Tax and Financial LLC. And my email is asia.elitetax at gmail.com. And I have a telephone it's 267-366-8624. So you can reach me on any of those platforms. If you find me on Facebook, Instagram, um, I'm, I'm quick to respond to any messages and I'll be happy to help or happy to you know, educate you on anything that you may need because I know we lack, um, as far as taxes go, we lack in the proper um, education when it comes to this. So if you have any questions, um, if you wanna reach out to me, regarding your situation, then I'll be happy to help. Yes. And really quickly, what, what is the best way to make sure that the person that is doing your license, that it, are doing your taxes is licensed? Because I feel like to, in today's world, everyone says that they can do everything. Doesn't necessarily mean that they license, that they're professional, that they went to school for this. So how can you verify that your tax specialist is licensed? Well, it's only two licenses. Um, it's a CPA their tax and it's an enrolled agent. Um, I'm an enrolled agent, I'm licensed by the IRS. So both CPAs and enrolled agents are able to represent people before the IRS as far as taxation goes. Anybody could do taxes, you know, anybody could do taxes. Um, 
they just have to register with, you know, IRS and do taxes. And that doesn't mean that they're licensed just because they're due ta- they do taxes. In order to be licensed, you have to study, you have to take tests, multiple tests, and you have to have a background check, you know, and you can check their licensing on the IRS website if they're um, an enrolled agent. That we have a license numbers, you could go search and see if they're licensed on the IRS um, website or if they're CPA, you could check and see what state they're CPA in and see if they're licensed in that state. Or you could just ask them, provide me with your license. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they have it sitting in their house somewhere. So yeah, provide me with your credentials or your license number or anything. Just to make sure. Wow. This was good to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm happy. I'm happy you enjoyed it. I'm happy I could help any way that I can and try to give you guys um, a different perspective when it comes to taxes, because we all look at it as a negative thing, like taxes. Oh, I don't want to pay taxes. I hate taxes. But tax, if you change your mindset and look at taxes as like an incentive of, you know, maybe I can open a business and beat the tax system and try to get as much deductions as possible and have ability to make more money. You know, that's how the tax system is structured. They want us to open businesses. They want us to, you know, provide jobs and things like that. And we have to change our mindset and not just try to play catch up in the end of tax season come April and try to, um, you know, plan ahead of time so that we can win in the end. Right. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Asia. Thank you so much for being with us, for answering all of our questions and helping us out. And thank you to everyone that is listening to this episode. Hopefully you were able to gain something from it. Make sure that you are following Black Girls in Media, the podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at BGIM Podcast. I am your co-host, It's Kelly Ray, and you can follow me on Instagram at It's Kelly Ray. I am your co-host Shelby Smith and you can follow me at Shelbs D. Smith. And until next time, guys. Thank you, guys.